passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. New CBS Monday. NCIS is back. We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What are the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS. Monday, 9, 8 central. On CBS. And streaming on Paramount+. Plus. What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Wednesday evening. Joined by Ryan Callahan and Patrick Brown. Ryan over at his uh, home daycare center. Patrick down in Orlando, Florida, where, of course, Tennessee will be playing Iowa in the uh, upcoming Cheez-It Citrus Bowl on New Year's Day. But as we're going to talk about here in just a second, one uh, very prominent member of the Tennessee football team, another one, will not be playing in the game. But that means the one that y'all want to see, he is going to be playing. Before we get to all that, Merry Christmas again. I hope everything was was going well for you. I hope if you traveled, uh, it was it was good and safe, and I hope you got to see your loved ones. If it was in the Northeast, I know the weather up there sucks a little bit right now. Hope y'all are doing all right. Hope everybody out there, wherever you are, hope you're doing well. Hope your holidays have been going great. Straight to the business, guys, uh, because we should have we're getting this to this a little bit late, I think, because we we've got uh, it's just been a busy day, right? There's been travel going on, the other things are going on in the world. However, the news: Joe Milton the third will not play in the Citrus Bowl. Tennessee starting quarterback is opting out, so he is Tennessee's starting quarterback. No mo. Now it is Nico Iamaliava. The Nico era is here. Nico mania is here. Before I ask you about that, how y'all doing tonight, fellas? How we doing, Ryan? How we doing, Pat? Doing what? Doing fine. Although I'm not in Florida with uh, with Patrick enjoying, I guess what some rainy weather earlier today. But regardless, warmer weather than what we we're probably getting in Knoxville. So you know, there's that. No, no, it was pretty nice today. Um, it, it was sunny in mid 70s uh, most of the day when I got here. I got up at 3 a.m. this morning, so I'm recording this at 9:15. I'm I'm on fumes. So if I start blabbering and don't make any sense, well, it'll just feel like normal, I guess. But 
yeah, it was a it was pretty nice. I think it's supposed to rain tomorrow, hmm. um, which would be what day is it? Thursday, and then it's going to be like mid sixties rest of the week. So it's not it's not going to be like Miami last year where it was like upper seventies, around eighty, sunny all the time. Um, but it's Orlando. There's a lot going on here. There's a, a lot of traffic, a lot of toll roads. Um, and there's two bowl games. They have the Pop Tarts Bowl on Thursday night between Kansas State, NC State. Do you guys think CBS would pay for me and Ben to go under the guise that we would be quote unquote scouting NC State for next September? Do you yes, think that would block? Absolutely. Yes. Put it on the card. Put it on the company card. Absolutely, I would do that. And uh, although normally, on the expense report, I'll say Wes. Wes said I could do it. Yeah, Orlando. I, I've always gone back and forth on Orlando because it's the city in. It's like the only major city in Florida, really, that's not like on the beach, which if you've looked at that state geographically, it is darn near impossible to build a major city without being like on the beach in that state. However, Orlando has done that. So, uh, but I've always had a good time. None of the people down there are nice. There's some nice places to uh, eat and drink and be merry down there. So I hope uh, that you're doing well down there, Pat. But big, big news right now. Obviously, the Nico Iamaliava thing. We have heard about this. We're not going to lie and say that we haven't. This has been sort of discussed for a while that it might happen. A lot of people thinking it would happen. And lo and behold, it has happened. I think Tennessee has known this for a little while, but uh, it was not announced until they got down there to Orlando, uh, I guess just just because. But regardless, they're down there, Pat, and Tennessee's going to have a new quarterback, and this is the guy that everybody's been wanting to see. Yeah, Wes and Ryan, I, I think it's it's the best move for all involved. Honestly, um, yeah. we'll we'll start with Joe Milton. I know he's. Uh, I know there's a lot of fans out there that are a glad he's not playing another game for Tennessee, which I don't think is fair. There's a lot of fans who are questioning why he's opting out. People I think are still adjusting to this new age or whatever of college football. I I think it's the smart move on his part because um, he, he's got a lot more to gain in terms of his NFL future at the senior bowl, which is not that far away. I mean, it's about a month after this game uh, that, that he'll be in mobile and, and he's going to, you know, he has a chance to help or hurt his draft stock more there than he does playing Iowa in, in this game with, um, you, you know, with, 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 with Tennessee, that's just the bottom line. I know some people that's, that's still hard for them to wrap their minds around, but uh, everybody's been wanting to see Nico all, all year. Um, and people were hoping even after, you know, late in the season that, that Joe would maybe step aside. And I don't think Joe's doing this for Nico, but uh, I think he, you know, this is, this is Joe doing what Joe needs to do. But uh, I, I think the benefit is, is for Nico. He gets basically sort of a test run for next season. He gets to see where he's at. Um, he gets to see where he's at against a good defense. I know. Uh, and sometimes I find myself falling into this category too. I'm thinking that I was, defense is only good because it plays in the big 10 with a bunch of battle the big 10 West too, with a bunch of, mediocre teams and even worse offenses. But um, I, I think the, the Iowa defense has the respect of Tennessee, it, certainly its coaches. And um, it, it'll be a good test to see where, where Nico is. Um, you know, there's some things we've seen from him uh, in, in bits and pieces during his, his four appearances during the regular season. And there's some things we still need to see about. So um, I think there's a lot of interest in this game now, a lot more interest, at least uh, and it, from my standpoint, my perspective. And there's a lot more excitement too, because – I mean, this this is the guy. This is the guy that Tennessee went out and got. It was a big deal when they got him. It was a big deal when they signed him. Um, certainly, you know, they have a lot invested in him. And 
he's the guy for the future. So, you know, if Tennessee is going to be uh, in position this time next season to, to be contending and, and hope to be in a playoff spot, he's going to have a lot to do with it. And, and he's going to get a chance to see where he's at. And, and obviously they hope that, that he plays well and, and that the offense plays well around him and they get a win. And then he can go into the offseason with some confidence or, or see where he needs to improve. So um, I think it's probably the best case scenario for all parties. Um, that being Joe, that being Nico, and that being Tennessee. And, and you know, we'll start to see how, how it plays out. I think this is a, obviously, like Patrick said, it's the it's the best best outcome for every everybody involved. Tennessee fans, obviously. I mean this this takes what felt like just another bowl game, not a lot of excitement. I mean, first time in the Citrus Bowl in 22 years, and it just felt like fans almost couldn't have cared less. And in, in some ways, just not a lot of buzz about this one. Certainly compared to last year with the Orange Bowl. Uh, I mean, first time in a New Year's Six type bowl in a long time for Tennessee last year. And this one, you know, eight and four season, playing a team like Iowa that while they're good, not a very sexy team. You know, they're just one of those teams that grinds out ugly. Hey, wins. they so they, like, they punch sexy. They punch sexy AF, Ryan. Look at those numbers. I mean, they I the defense is amazing. I mean, if you yeah. like defense, Iowa's as good as it gets a lot of times. They're they're top five in the country in uh, in scoring defense, top ten in total defense. So they're they're great on that side of the ball. That's just not what a lot of fans want to see these days. So yeah, just across the board between all of that, the guys who've opted out for Tennessee, let's not forget that. I mean, they've had, already had six starters, uh, I think by my count, opt out of this game, maybe more uh, if if I've forgotten someone. So. It's uh, or either opt out or enter the draft uh, or enter the transfer portal. So they've lost several starters since the end of the regular season, in addition to guys that were already hurt. So it's just, uh, yeah, it's sort of the reality of bowl games these days, but it just felt like there wasn't a lot of buzz. And now I feel like this becomes one of the most anticipated bowl games Tennessee's played in recent memory, just because it's the start of a new era. Uh, fans don't have to wait until September now to see what Nico Iamaliava is going to be like as a starter. Uh, even if he is playing with a, with less than a full deck uh, around him, you know, he's going to be working with some receivers that are not nearly what he's going to have to, to work with uh, in the fall. You know, by the time you throw in Chris Brazel and Mike Matthews and get Dante Thornton back, uh, presumably, and, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, maybe Brew McCoy, there's going to be a lot different surrounding cast next season, but you at least get a preview of what it might look like and, and, and some offensive linemen out as well. So you hope if you're a Tennessee fan that Nico can, in his first career start, kind of elevate the guys around him. That's what everyone's going to be looking for. But this is a tough matchup. I, I think people certainly shouldn't overlook that. I mean, we can get into that more in a, in a few minutes. But this is a this is a real test for Nico. That um, you know, hey, Tennessee beat the brakes off Iowa several years ago when they played them in the Tax Slayer Bowl. You know, it's it's certainly possible the same type thing happens in this game because we've seen SEC teams just outclass Big Ten teams in bowl games with athleticism, but. This this could be more of you know Iowa could get, turn this into sort of their type of game if Tennessee doesn't uh, doesn't play pretty well. I, th- this could end up being a lower scoring game because this is a Tennessee offense that's shown it's capable of being slowed down uh, by a pretty good defense. So it's a it's a big test for Nico, but it's still exciting uh, regardless of who's playing around him, regardless of who else is sitting out. Um, this is what fans have wanted all year. They barely got to see him. You know, four games of mop up duty essentially. He red shirts unexpectedly. Now all that sort of forgotten. And there's just a ton of buzz now. And I think there'll be some national interest in this game, too, for people who heard so much about Nico in the recruiting process. Now they get to see what the hype was all about. Who was this guy that was the number two player in the class? And, you know, right up there, neck and neck with Arch Manning and the rankings and all that. Let's see what this guy's all about. 
and see if Tennessee is going to be a national contender over the next couple of years. Yeah, I think a couple things. First off, the the second that I saw that Tennessee was playing Iowa in this game and that Iowa Iowa was going to be the opponent, I went from like a 90% chance, 90% sure that Jalen Wright wasn't going to play in the bowl game to 100% sure that Jalen Wright was not going to play in the bowl game. And, and then I thought that it went kind of like a like a coin flip for Joe Milton to like a 75 to 80% chance he wasn't playing in this game. Because once you saw this matchup, both of those guys, just as Pat alluded to earlier, had infinitely more to lose than to gain, I think, from this matchup. And I think that's the smart business decision for both guys. As for Tennessee, I, no, go ahead, Ryan. I, I was say, I, I think it was the, I, I wonder if that played into it at all. Cause I, I think that was the smart decision, even if you played a team that's not known for good defense. I but agree. I agree. Once you, once you see the matchup, it's a no brainer. But yeah, the injury risk, the risk of just throwing another clunker out there. And he's had a couple of those this year. You, you don't want to end your college career on that when he, when he had a, at least an okay stretch run, you know, even though Tennessee lost a couple games in November, he didn't do anything so bad. He actually had one of his best games ever against Vanderbilt. So um, you'd rather end on that than end on a really ugly game against an Iowa team. That's, you know, where you're playing with a a diminished roster because of opt-outs and and early departures. I think the big thing for for Joe is the senior bowl. um, Cause I I wasn't sure if he was going to get that. Um, I wasn't either. Pretty good quarterback. This is a pretty good quarterback class. Obviously, you know, that game's pretty prestigious. Um, it has a pretty good rate of, uh, of getting guys there that get drafted every year. Um, now, they're not all, you know, first-rounders. A lot of those guys don't play in that game. But uh, a lot of the value picks you see on Friday and Saturday in the draft play in that game. Um, and, and so I wasn't sure if he was going to get in, get into that game because this is a pretty good senior group of quarterbacks. Obviously, that game wasn't going to get Caleb Williams or Drake May. But, I mean, you got Bo Nix, you got, uh, I think, what, McCarthy's a senior at Michigan, right? Penix, I mean, uh, and he's there. And I think the only other quarterbacks that have accepted invites so far are Spencer Rattler and Michael Pratt from Tulane. So um, it, I, I think that was the game changer for him because uh, that that's such a, a big chance for him that uh, it wouldn't make any business sense as to, to use West's term and, and a term that we've all probably used in discussing these things for him to risk Turn it an ankle. It doesn't even have to be a, a major injury if it's if it's something that keeps you from being 100 percent at the, you know, the first big sort of job interview, which is what a lot of a lot of people say that the mm-hmm. NFL draft process is like. Yeah, I think in terms of what this means for Tennessee in this game, uh, there's a couple thoughts I have. One is that I don't have any real idea what this does for Tennessee in this game. I suspect it gives Tennessee a slightly less percentage chance of winning this game, but I still think Tennessee is the favorite for a reason. And I think the line's already moved by like nearly a field goal just in a few hours. So I think that tells you what a lot of others at least seem to think about what this does for Tennessee's chances in this game. That's point A, but point B is point A doesn't matter because this is excellent Excellent, excellent news for Tennessee. The results of these bowl games, traditionally they matter a tiny bit, but not a ton. Now, if you're not in the playoff, unless you're maybe like a group of five team playing in a, in a New Year's Six game and you were undefeated and you're trying to make a point like UCF was years ago, if you're not in the playoff, it doesn't really matter. It just doesn't. And so what this is is an opportunity to get a head start on next season. And that's what... The bowl practices are a big deal, probably bigger than the game, if I'm being honest. 
And now getting a chance to go out there and play in this game and to give Nico Iamaliava basically a free hit against a really, really good defense that is probably better than a group he'll see in the orange and white game even. Like to give him a chance to go out there in a game that does count and go out there and and face some bullets and go out there and get hit a little bit, that's going to be fantastic for Tennessee. And I don't care if ten if Iowa wins this football game 17 to 13, it will not change one thing about what I feel about this game. This is excellent news for Tennessee that Nico Iamaliava is playing in this game. I do think it's Joe Milton's team. So if Joe Milton wanted to play, I think you owe him that. I think you do. And people might disagree on that, but I firmly believe it's his team. You owe that to him. But if he was going to step aside, that's great news for Tennessee. That's that's even well, better news, I think. Well, that's it's good news on a lot of fronts. I mean, I, I think of this obviously covering recruiting from a recruiting perspective. You now get some evidence to go out there and sell. Now, maybe Nico goes out there and throws for 125 yards, and Tennessee's offense stumbles a bit in this game against a good defense, and, and it doesn't end up being something you can really sell. But if Nico looks good and the offense looks improved with him. You've now got an entire offseason to to sell people on, hey, you see what Nico did in the bowl game? Now just imagine what he's going to do next year with the full offseason to prepare for the for the for the starting job. You know, th- this is uh th- this is just again turning the page. It's the official beginning of a new era. It's something people have already been anticipating. Tennessee's already been selling the chance to play with Nico. Now they'll have uh s- something for players to go by at least. Uh, even if even if not everybody's watching this game, it's at least something they can point to uh, in passing. And yeah, just the the experience of this will be huge for Nico. He now gets to go back and spend eight months going, you know, reassessing how he did in the game and breaking down everything that went wrong. And it, you know, you get to knock off some of the some of the the, the not the rust, but you know, he didn't play a lot this year. He, he's it probably felt weird to him to only play, you know, what less than a hundred snaps or whatever it was this season compared to what he's done in high school the last couple of years. So to, to go out there and, and get to uh, get to get to see where he is, see how far he's come in, in a year of development and, and watching Joe Milton from the bench and uh, and now, you know, get himself ready for next year. It's just that there, there are no negatives to this from, from his perspective, you know, yeah, it's a tough matchup, but that'll, he'll face tougher matchups in the sec. Let's be real. So this is a, this is a great test for him early on to, to see where he is and to see what he needs to improve in the off season and to, to show him maybe what, what he's, what he's not right now, what he still has to fit, add to his toolbox uh, over the next couple of years or, or whatever the case may be. So this is a, yeah, I, I see no downside to this from his perspective from from the program's perspective, it's just going to add to the buzz. I think that there already is about what Tennessee might be with Nico at the helm, you know, unless he goes out there and throws four interceptions and looks just completely lost. I, I don't see how this is going to be a negative anyway. No, I, I think that Iowa yeah, defense I, is actually better than on some SEC defenses. A fair bit of them, I think. Oh, 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 yeah. I'm just saying that I mean, you're, when you face a Georgia or whatever, I mean, there are going to be teams more talented than what he's going to face from Iowa. And that's no knock on Iowa. They're a very good defense. I'm just saying this is a real test, but it's still not the, not even the biggest test he faces. But it's a great barometer for for where he is just in in his early development. He's obviously got a long way to go, but to see kind of how far he's come so far, just from mostly watching on the sideline. Yeah, I don't know that I'd go as far as Ryan in saying that there, there's no downside. I definitely think though that the the reward outweighs the the, the negatives. Um, if he doesn't get it, hurt, <laughs> it, well, yeah, I mean, if he gets hurt or if he goes out there and stinks it up, then 
um, then, then you're going to have questions. You're going to be wondering, there's going to be all the, Oh, you know, did they spend the money the right way? Blah, blah, blah. Is he a bust? You know, cause, uh, in this instant gratification world in this hot take world, everybody's got to have a take. Everybody's got to have a reaction. And certainly the, the, the same people that, you know, we know who they are in the, in the media that if Tennessee goes out there and stinks it up with him, they're going to, you know, have a chance to pile on. Oh, this guy is supposed to be the, the, the next best thing, the next big thing. And he's, he's struggling, but you know, the reality is it's going to be his first start. And, and like you said, Ryan, he's played, uh, I, I don't have the stat count in front of me, but he played in four games and I, he attempted 26 passes. So um, if he goes out there and struggles some, you can probably chalk it up to, Hey, it's a freshman first start. He's not playing with, you know, the, the, the top receivers, right? This isn't going to be the starting lineup at receiver that, He's probably going to get next season, at least uh, maybe outside of Squirrel White. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what they do on the offensive line or what the offensive line looks like in this game. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But, I mean, if he goes out there and lights it up, then, I mean, like you said, Ryan, I think that's, you know, you have a lot to sell in the recruiting trail. You have a lot to sell to any potential portal guys that, you know, hey, we, we got a guy that's – we got a quarterback that we're plugging in here that, that we think is good enough, and, and he just showed you that he's good enough to go and – play well against a top tier defense, we, we have a chance to make a run of the playoff. Cause I mean, next season, everything changes, right? I mean, if you're a 10 and two SEC team, you got a shot to get in the 12th game playoff mm-hmm. and potentially host a playoff game. So, um, you know, that, that's, that's sort of the new bar and that's sort of going to be the new, you know, that's going to be the new contending for the SEC East, if you will, cause there is no more SEC East. All right. People out for the, the homie. Um, but you know, if he goes out there and plays well and looks good, even if he's a little bit up and down, even if he has, good moments and you know uh, there's a lot there's a lot more positive to to gain from this in my opinion than than negatives if he if he struggles because again as a freshman it's gonna be his first start it's a weird deal this game's kind of a one-off um you know it's just it's kind of how bowl games are these days so uh, i I, again i I, if he goes out there and struggles i I think you're gonna hear some of the the murmuring from you know maybe some Tennessee fans as well, and there's going to be some people that are oh, yeah. going to say, "Well, this is supposed to be the quarterback of the future," and you know he can't even beat Iowa. You know Iowa's kind of a punchline in and of itself. Not that they should be, but you know there's kind of the you know oh if Nico can't even outscore Iowa, then how good is he really? Is he a bust? Blah blah blah, all that stuff. Um, <clears throat> you know that'll happen if he if he struggles and they don't win, but. Um, I think that can be written off a lot of different ways, and uh, the reality of the situation paints it differently. But if he goes out there and does some of the things that we've seen him do in, in some of these games, where he's extended plays, made throws on the run, scrambled for big plays, you know, he's moved the offense when he's been in the games that he's gotten into. Um, you know, again, those are low leverage situations against bad teams, but um, you know that, that's something he's been able to do. So, uh, like I said, yeah, I, I think we're, I think we are on the same page that. Uh, and maybe this is the the orange tinted glasses, you know, Homer's view of it. But yeah, I, I think even if you're looking at it from a pretty standard point of view, there's a lot more potential to gain if if he goes out there and plays really well, uh, and the offense looks good, and, and they win. Then if you know it's kind of a struggle and he makes some fresh mistakes, you know, it, it's it, that's just you know he's a freshman. It, it takes a while. It takes some time. It takes experience at that position to. Uh, to, to become really good, and, and this could be a valuable experience for him either way. Yeah, and maybe you don't want him to go out there and complete like 
22 of 27 passes for 370 yards and five touchdowns uh, and then like 50 yards and a touchdown on the ground because then everyone's going to say you're an idiot for not playing him all year. So maybe if you're hypo, you don't want that either. Maybe a couple yep. maybe a couple of mistakes in there along with some really big plays. And so at least you can say like, oh, okay, that's that's probably the best case scenario. I mean, Hypo's not a guy who usually is governed by fear when it comes to coaching decisions, not usually. So I don't think that would matter to him necessarily, but it might a little bit. Maybe, maybe you don't want people saying, hey, if you played this guy, you'd have been in the playoff, you'd you dumb dumb. So maybe he doesn't want that. But regardless, there's a couple interesting things about this game. One of them, at least for me, has to do with Nico, and one kind of doesn't. We'll talk about both of those things. But we're a little bit over overdue for a break anyway. And poor Pat's just barely clinging on to to being awake at this point. So we're gonna step away. We're gonna pay some bills, listen to some product services, in-house ads, and then come right back here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy. This is Sandra Herrera from Attacking Third, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Golazo Network dedicated to all things women's soccer. With the NWSL expanding to 14 teams, the 2024 season promises to be bigger and better than ever, and Attacking Third will be along for the ride from start to finish. Before that, though, we'll be all over the CONCACAF W Gold Cup, where the U.S. Women's National Team is looking to clinch silverware on home soil. We'll also be keeping tabs on the winter transfer window, the Women's Super League, the UEFA Women's Champions League, and elsewhere. Coming to you multiple times a week with game previews, recaps, analysis, breaking news, exclusive interviews, and more, Attacking Third is your one-stop shop for the best coverage of the women's game. Download, follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe to Attacking Third. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Ryan Callahan coming to you from across town there at his home daycare center. Patrick Brown coming to us from the road. We can't say undisclosed location now because we know that location is in Orlando, Florida. So this is the rare time where everyone knows where Pat is during a podcast. So everyone take a, take a minute and just sit back and appreciate that that if you ever wanted well, to play where it's a very big area sure Orlando's sure it's a very sure. big area it's a long way from here where i'm at to the airport to where True. tennessee is practicing ucf it, it's kind of crazy that uh josh eiffel's practicing at ucf like his practice fields is weird those practice fields are right next to the bounce house i got to see the bounce house today 
Um, I think they're actually practicing on, on that field tomorrow, but uh, they have a nice indoor indoor field right there and pretty nice facilities. And as I was driving there, I was like, it's funny that they're in the same league as Kansas and BYU. Yeah. Shout out. Realignment. It's weird, yeah, how the Southeastern Conference is about the only one now that, that actually tells you what the conference is. Because now you got like Cal and Stanford in the ACC and, you know, the, the Big Ten and the Big 12, which have more teams than that. And, and it just none of it means anything anymore. So regardless, nonetheless, we digress. We got a lot more to discuss in this uh, second segment, and we're going to do all that. But before we do that, just a quick re- request, quick suggestion. Uh, we'll call it request from our end. Please go in there and take a minute out of your day right now and rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening on the website at GoVols247.com, nothing wrong with that. No wrong way to consume this podcast. does help us out a lot more, though, if you go there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon, anywhere in the world. You can cast a fine pod. You can find this GoVols247 podcast, which we do for free, and we're happy to do it. Labor of love since we do it for free though i don't think it's too much to ask to go in there rate review subscribe and tell your friends tell everybody that you know that would you would be amazed how many people have found this podcast just because someone told them about it someone random or a friend or whoever it was so if you're already doing all that stuff thank you we love you if not i award you no points and may god have mercy on your soul right back to business here guys i think one interesting thing about this game for me that was going to be an interesting thing for me in this game no matter who the quarterback was for tennessee but i guess maybe with with nico in there now it maybe makes it even a little more interesting is that iowa's defense is very very structurally sound like if you've watched iowa play this year first off god bless you that can be a difficult experience at times but if you've watched them play they are very very structurally sound they are very very good at taking away layups they just don't give you layups they make you earn what you get they make you throw into tough windows they tackle you when you're in front of them they just do those little things very very well and they're so structurally sound tennessee's offense is one that when it's at its best feasts on layups. It creates layups, right? Tennessee spreads the field, creates space, comes at you with tempo, space and pace, and it gets you kind of leaning left, and then they go right. You know, they zig, you zag. That's why Tennessee's offense, at least for me anyway, gets more people comically wide open than any offense I've ever seen. Heupel's offense does this. And and I suppose Bryles and those guys in their day did that too. This offense just kind of it can do that. It can create layups, and it can scheme up layups, and it can make you look really, really dumb. And Iowa just doesn't give layups. So that, to me, is a really, really interesting matchup within a matchup of this game. I think Iowa's going to try to take away all the easy stuff for Tennessee, and Tennessee's going to try to create easy stuff. And I think that's going to be a really fascinating thing to watch, aside from the tempo battle. Yeah, I I think this is a really interesting matchup. And part of it for me is because... As I mentioned earlier, you know I, I haven't looked at the full list, but I I don't think Iowa has a lot of guys that are going to be out in this game. They're they're, they're going to be defense. much closer to yeah, much closer to full strength in Tennessee. You know the Vols are looking at starting three new guys in the secondary um, after the departures in the transfer portal and and for the uh, you know with the, and with the guys leaving for the draft and things like that on offense, you're you're losing you know arguably your best offensive player and Jalen Wright. You know, that might not even be much of a debate. No, it, it, um, no debate. It, 
And then, uh, yeah, you take out Jabari Small, too, so you're going to have to play Cam Seldon as a, as a true freshman, uh, which, which could be a lot of fun, you know, kind of like Nico. You know, we'll see what he can give them, but he's not a guy who's played a whole lot aside from special teams to this point. Had some flashes in the spring game and in, in mop-up duty, but otherwise we don't really know what to expect from him because they stayed pretty healthy at running back this season. And then you, uh, and then you look at what they had at wide receiver at the end of the regular season. That, that wasn't a, a very uh, a group that, that inspires a lot of confidence going into this game. Uh, you know, I think Tennessee certainly has taken a step back at receiver uh, since last year, as we've alluded to throughout the season. And, and then you take away from that group, you know, without Brew McCoy, without Dante Thornton, it's just a, a diminished group there that, uh, you know, so still have some guys capable of making plays, but it's not, not a group that's going to scare Iowa compared to some of the, the, the receivers they faced in, uh, you know, even in the Big Ten this season. So I, I do feel they like they didn't this play is Marvin a, Harrison Jr. for the record. Good point. <laughs> they didn't play him. So, uh, but they, but regardless, yeah, I, I think this is a game, especially when you throw in the, the offensive line absences or at least potential absences. It's a scary matchup for Tennessee in some ways because Iowa is capable of, you know, they're, they're just a different team. It's, it's, you know, kind of a throwback uh, type, type approach to football. And their uh, leading not, not receiver the of, does not have 300 yards and has not played since early October. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, just a different look that you see for, compared to what you see from most teams. And, you know, they've, they've obviously had the, you know, the tight ends they've produced, they've gone to the NFL, but they, you know, big time receivers, that's not necessarily what they're known for. You know, they don't, they don't just chuck it around endlessly and, and put up huge numbers offensively, but they are capable of making, making plays. And, and, uh, obviously they want to run the ball and Tennessee's, you know, they're, they're playing without Tyler Barron as well. You know, we'll see how much that ends up hurting them on the defensive line. I think Iowa also plays a defensive or offensive style that's going to force Tennessee to kind of go a little heavy in some situations, and yeah. that might lead to James Pierce getting fewer snaps than he usually does um, because I- Iowa sort of wants to line it up and-, and pound it at you, and that's not really what James Pierce and some of those guys do do best. So uh, Tennessee's going to have some interesting personnel packages out there out of necessity to, to kind of match up with what Iowa is doing. So you- the- both sides of the ball, I think they present some challenges, and put Tennessee in some uncomfortable positions in part because of them being a little bit shorthanded personnel wise. And then, Oh yeah, you throw in the added complication of a freshman quarterback. Now the good news is, you know, as we kind of alluded to earlier, I don't think Tennessee, you know, I've seen some people sort of scratching their heads about the timing of this announcement. I don't think Tennessee just figured out, you know, Monday <laughs> that Nico is going to be the starter no. for the bowl game. So they, they've had time to prepare for this and, and they have a, I think, a, you know, a good plan in place and they, they know how to, to to manage things for Nico. They know what he can and can't do at this point in his development, and and I think they'll play it smart with him and you know get him some confidence early. I would expect to see a lot of quick throws to 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 get him going, get some confidence, and uh, and let him settle into the game before they ask him to do too much. So uh, I I think they'll be fine. And and some people knowing the style of football Iowa plays will probably take the simplistic approach and say just find a way to score seventeen points and Iowa can't beat you. And and, and maybe that's how it'll turn out. Who knows. Iowa certainly has played some games that way, but as we've seen, just look down their schedule. There's some pretty good teams that didn't score a lot of points against Iowa. This is a this is a team that just throws some throw, throws a wrench into a lot of things and and just gums up the game basically and makes you play their style sometimes. And if Tennessee can't can't turn it into more of a track meet, it, it's it's going to be an un- uncomfortable game for fans to to kind of sit through. So we'll we'll see if Nico you know th- changes things up. But I think it's at least a a benefit for Tennessee in this case that Iowa has not had a whole lot of time. They, they didn't spend a whole month preparing for Nico. They get four or five days to prepare for him, but that's not the same as knowing for a month that you're going to be facing this, this freshman quarterback making his first career start. So I think 
that that always has the potential to shake things up. And then, yeah, you you hope that guys like Dylan Sampson and some of the other newcomers that are going to get a, a real chance, those guys in the secondary are going to make the most of it and, and give Tennessee some upside in this game that we're maybe not counting on. Yeah, I, I think Iowa, um, a, a lot of their guys, you know, we talk about Tennessee, who they're not going to have. A lot of the guys that Iowa's not going to have, they haven't had for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they brought in Kate McNamara from Michigan. Uh, it would have been interesting had, had he and Joe been playing in this game because they were, you know, back in that 2020 season before Michigan started cheating. Yep. Um, th- those were the two guys. Milton won the job going into the <laughs> season. McNamara uh, kind of took the job over when Milton started struggling because of his thumb injury. Um, and so, you know, both those guys were – Fine Shea Patterson, I think, for a year or two. So that would have been interesting. But, you know, Iowa's got uh, Eric All, I think, is is the tight end who, who came over from Michigan. I think he got hurt pretty early. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luke Lachey is another tight end that I think is an NFL prospect because all Iowa tight ends are NFL prospects mm-hmm. by default. Yeah. He's been out. Um, you know, Cooper DeJean is, is uh, their cornerback return specialist who, who racked up a bunch of accolades and awards. He, he's you know, got hurt in practice, I think, in mid-November. So, you know, those, those are their, those are those those big names have already been out for Iowa. So, you know, the team they've had for most of the season is the team that they're going to have in this game. So, um, that said, I mean, it, it, it's sort of a hard team to evaluate because, I mean, the Big Ten West is just so – it's just dreck. I mean, it's just all it is. It's pretty bad. It's a lot of teams that just aren't very good. Um, and, you know, but maybe they're good and they're just all even. I don't know, but, you know – Iowa went and played Penn State, and it was 31 nothing. I don't even think Iowa had 100 yards of offense. You know, they, they played Michigan pretty tough in the Big Ten Championship game, but it was still 26 nothing. I mean, that, that could be – it could be that type of game for Tennessee where maybe it's sort of a slow burn. You know, they get a, a, a score early, and then it's just kind of – maybe they kick a field goal. It's 10 nothing at halftime. Iowa's still in the game, but not really because they can't score. Um, even against this, you know, a Tennessee defense that's going to be missing Tyler Barron a but, you know, their top five of their top six DB or top five of their top six cornerbacks. So, uh, I don't know. We'll have to see. But, yeah, the, the, pay, the it's almost like these two teams play two, two different sports. Yeah, it how is. how adverse <laughs> Iowa is to offense and how Tennessee, I mean, Tennessee just wants to play offense. You could, you know, it, it, it's kind of what it looked like early on in Josh Heibel's tenure. Obviously, the defense has made strides under Tim Banks. I think that gets overlooked and certainly – you know, they, they had some struggles late this season when they played the two best offenses they faced, which was Georgia and Missouri. So, um, but yeah, I mean, these, these games are, uh, it, you know, we talk about like when Tennessee plays Kentucky, it's a clash of styles. Kentucky's going to slow the game down, yada, yada, yada. I don't even know if this is a clash of styles. This is like, it, it's a clash of like, Existential, you know. Yeah, it's it's like it's like in the it's, like in the Spider Verse movies, like when when, when when Spider Man goes don't nerd on don't don't nerd no it, it's 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 like, like when 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 Miles Morales goes to a world that's not his and like everybody doesn't even like look the same like they're all pixelated and weird. It's like two different planets. It's two different worlds. That's yeah, that's not a bad comparison. And Patrick, just thank to, you, just Ryan. To thank you. I've seen the movie. I get that. Uh, so, um, but just to expound on that, I don't know if people. If, you, if you're even a casual better or, or just casual follower of college football, you probably know Iowa is just a – they really well, yeah, do you, play a – You, you so always they, bet the, t- the over on Tennessee and you always bet the under on Iowa. Right. So what the hell is going to happen when they play each other? Right, yeah. But but just – I mean, just to put this in perspective, though, this is a team that won 10 games in the regular season. 10 and 3. And 
they are ranked dead last in FBS football with an average of 239.3 yards of total offense per game. It's unbelievable. I mean, that's amazing. It's, it's an, I, I, it also talks about the Big Ten West, but still, like, that's a crazy yeah. stat. But the next it also closest... Means, it also means that if they get two first downs on a drive, Tennessee fans are going to be firing up the old the Fire yes. Tim Banks tweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Tweet but the next messages and all that. But the next closest team to them in total offense is Eastern Michigan, and they average 23 and a half yards more per game than they do. So there's a huge gap from 132nd to 133rd in the FBS rankings. I was at the bottom doing its bowl game. <laughs> it it, it, it did, did it, it fought though. We you can't say there wasn't a lot of fight in, in well, Emu. And also they're one thirtieth in scoring offense. So they're bottom five in scoring and dead last in total offense, and yet they won ten games. I mean, you gotta like if you're playing with this team on Madden, they're a ninety-seven on defense and they're a sixty-four on offense, basically yeah. is what you're talking about. Yeah, like this you, you couldn't contrast the two sides of the ball more if you tried it. It's it is gonna be fascinating. And Tennessee, as bad as we've talked about their offense be or not bad, but bad by Josh Heupel's standards. As much of a step back as they took, they almost they average almost twice as many yards per game as Iowa. Literally almost twice as many, four fifty three to Iowa's two thirty nine. So it's it's mind boggling when you see the numbers, just how little offense Iowa produces, and yet still found a way to win ten games. But for in seriousness, though, Iowa's punter, who is Australian, because of course all punters now have to be Australian. That's the rules. I actually I actually think him and Jackson Ross are. are Decent friends, I think. Jackson I think that's in, true. Wait, you're yeah. not just saying that because they're both Australians, right? That's actually a pretty no, good I, country. I, I think when, when we talked to Jackson, either back in the spring or, or before the season, he talked about some of the Aussie punters he knew the most or knew the best, and, and that was one of the guys he mentioned. Well, that's I think, the Ray guy, award winner, by yeah. the way. So put some respect yep. on his name. And, and the guy who I think one or two punts into this game will set an NCAA record all-time career punting yardage which is you think about like football's been played a long time and you know people used to punt a hell of a lot more than they do now and you think about that and it's i mean that's it's it's, it's crazy punting aficionado i will be excited to see that but iowa punts too much yeah iowa punts you you gotta play offense at some point guys iowa punts quite a bit and it's gonna be really really interesting because there is this game, it, it's it's not a game that like really matters if we're being honest, but it's so fascinating. It doesn't matter in terms of like this year. It matters for both teams, obviously, for next season. And you know, there's a lot of Tennessee guys that that we'll get to see play in this game that we didn't get to see much at all the season. Like you know, hey, Tennessee's going to have a, a a will linebacker probably. We'll we'll get to see what that's all about. I can't remember the last time other than uh, a goal line package that there was one. Oh, Sam? Sam. Oh, oh, sorry, because they have the Will and the Sam. So, okay, so we'll see if they have a Sam. We'll see if they have a Sam. Who is Sam? I am Sam. Who is Sam? I think they will, uh, from from what I understand. That's what I was talking about. They will have a a Sam? (laughs) There will be a... There be, there are a couple of options. Yeah, there are a couple of options. I've I've heard. I mean, we've seen Caleb Perry play at Sam when they've used uh, that, that that lineup this uh, this season at times, and then because they because they do that in short yardage a lot and things like that. I said too, other than I've, short yardage, Ryan. Maybe he's yeah. just a short yardage Sam. We don't know. Maybe I am Sam is different for I am Sam base. Well, and and uh, and yeah, I think the other option would be. You know, you obviously could put um, you, you had the option of putting Elijah Herring at, at Mike potentially, and mm-hmm. and moving Beasley over to Will. So there, 
there are a few different options there, but I think the most likely is just could, adding, could you put, adding Perry at Sam. Could you put Herring at Sam and, and Tealander at Mike? Uh, you could. That that would be the backup this option. Seems like a Jer- this seems like a Jeremiah Tealander game, not a Caleb Perry game. I'm with you on that. I, I just I just heard Perry, it sounded like, was getting a lot of first-team work at Sam uh, last I heard. But, yeah, I think I, I think both of those options are on the table, uh, to, to your point. So we'll see. Maybe a game I, I think they should, mix and match. I think they should put Elijah Simmons as, a, as an extra nose guard. Mm-hmm. There you go. Hell yes. Or let him play Sam. I mean, just to see what he's got. It'd be the biggest, <laughs> but, but hey, big, biggest damn Sam ever. Remember, like when Lavar Arrington used to play linebacker. You're like, my God, that's yeah. a big, that's a big linebacker. Put Elijah Simmons in there. See what Mister Lavar Arrington's all about. But to to your point a second ago, S, I was talking about this with someone earlier. I I think this is an important game for Tennessee, I, and I think Nico playing actually takes maybe a little bit of pressure off that. I think a loss now would not be viewed as the end of the world, maybe. But I think there is some pressure on Tennessee. Really? I don't think you want to go. I think I don't think you want to go into the offseason eight and five. I mean, bowl games in general don't mean nearly as much as they did 15, 20 years I mean, ago. You, but you don't have a cornerback. I mean, Iowa doesn't have a passing game, but you don't have a yeah. cornerback. I just think the perception of losing to Iowa. I, well, I mean, fans are probably not the not the uh, the ultimate uh, barometer on this, but but certainly the reaction among fans would be pretty negative. I I, I could be wrong. Do y'all, do y'all think I'm I'm crazy on this? I just feel like Tennessee needs this ninth win for the perception. To, to, to convince people the arrow's still pointing up on the program. Not that eight and five says you're you're doomed, but I just think you would three losses in three of the last four games. It just wouldn't feel very good. It'd be a pretty miserable offseason, I feel like, if you lost this game. I, I could be wrong. It, I think oh go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. I, I think it matters, but it's not gonna be like a referendum on the yeah. current state of the program or its direction. That's but again, in this day and age and, and college football world of Everyone's got to have an overreaction. It's the most, you know, it's a very overreactionary sport. Everybody's got to have a take. Um, it, it won't. It, it'll get viewed as more than, than it than it should. Like it'll be if they go out and win. Nico looks great. There'll be people saying, "Hey, we're coming for the Natty in 24." Put them in the and top ten they, preseason, right? That stuff. If they, and if they lose, it's going to be. Uh, you know, you know, I, you know, he is, is he got worse at UCF, blah blah blah, all that kind of stuff, and neither of those will be true because a lot of times in the sport, it's never as good as it seems, and it's never as bad as it seems. I think Tennessee. Plus, I think there's a chance Tennessee plays without more than twenty scholarship players in this game, including the starting quarterback, and we'll have a true freshman starting for the first time against the top five defense in college football. This to me is as close to free hit as free hits get. I I don't I mean people there will be some people who will be upset sure because they want Tennessee to win everything Tennessee plays and that's how a fan should be, right? Like that's the teams that I care that I'm big fans of when they lose I get mad no matter what it is. Like you just want to win. I understand that. You're, but you're, you're talking, talking about, about 20, you're talking about 20 plus scholarship players including like what maybe 8 9 starters who will not play in this game a true freshman first game as a starter against a an absolutely elite defense. I don't. Nothing that happens in this game is going to make me go ugh about next season at all. I, I look. I'm with you. I just think we're the exception. I, I think fans. I, I. I. Again, maybe I'm over assessing how much angst there would be about a loss in this one. But I think. I think the fan reaction would be pretty negative if they lost this game because I think the perception out there is just find a way to score 17 points and Iowa can't keep up. I mean, I really think a lot of people think I was just that like that bad that they won 10 games because the Big Ten stinks for the most part and Iowa's a team without an offense and you should be able to outscore them because offense is your thing. So, Nico, and I think 
people are expecting Tennessee's offense to be better too. I think there is fair or not the expectations I mean, uh, are for uh, Tennessee's uh, offense to, then, to get a boost from Nico. Then why is the line move three points the other way just in like f- yeah seven hours or whatever? That that is, that is really interesting to me. I I honestly thought it would go the other way. I, I really did. I no. thought there'd be a lot of people really betting on Tennessee. Yeah, I really did because I think. I thought Tennessee fans, as much as anything, would rush out and bet uh, on on Tennessee to to put up more points with Nico. But yeah, it's that that is the interesting thing about this. You know, you got it. You've got to change up here at quarterback, but that can it can definitely work both ways. And especially a defense like Iowa's can can cause some real headaches for a for, for a quarterback like uh, like Nico making his first career start. So I, I don't know what to expect, but yeah, I, I my sense has been yeah, lose three of the last four, and it's. I don't know, fans, it's obviously a different team. And like you said, you lose the the 20-plus players on scholarship from, from the from the start of the season or the end of the regular season, whatever. It, it's, a, it's a lot. But still, I think some people would say you should never lose to Iowa because you have noticeably more talent than them. And that's how some people look at it. Well, the last thing I'll say that, that, that could be a good thing for Tennessee in this game is that, you know, I said earlier in this segment to begin it that I think it's a fascinating matchup because Iowa's defense just takes away layups and Tennessee's offense feasts on creating layups. And so something's got to give in this game with that matchup. But I think one thing that's interesting is also normally going into a bowl game, you know a lot about tendencies, about teams, because you're looking at an entire season's worth of stuff to go off of. And teams throwing wrinkles because they have extra time to prep, yada, yada, yada. But basically, you know, these coaches have been out recruiting and trying to piece together rosters for the past little bit. They're not just sitting there crunching over a game plan night and day, maybe like they, they used to for things like this in a game like this. You're going to have a lot of throws that maybe Nico can make really well that weren't things Joe liked to do, but Nico can do them. So you might be able to do a lot of different stuff offensively. Maybe. I mean, you're probably going to run Tennessee's offense, but there's going to be plays that they were go-tos with Joe that are not going to be go-tos with Nico and the other way around. So maybe Iowa doesn't exactly know what to expect in some ways. So maybe Tennessee can throw some stuff out there uh, that's different and maybe create some splash and create some layups, or maybe just the crazy tempo will be something Iowa hasn't seen a lot of and will create some issues. But I I think, I think for me anyways, like you can't, base everything on what like you know the the twitterati and like those people like you you can't those people are that's not real life like those that's like the the craziest of the crazy like that that stuff's those people are they're the most they're just crazy basically and so (laughs) when you go talk to average fans like things like that I, i don't i don't know that that this is going to be any kind of a referendum on anything i think i would hope I would hope that people would see this as a glorified exhibition where if you win, it's cool. If not, you got this guy experience for next season. And so that's all that really matters. Cause if you tell people right now, you can win this game and then have a crappy year next season, or you can lose this game and have a good year next year. They would obviously take the good regular season because then you can get in the playoff and maybe do some stuff. So I, I don't, I would hope I'm trying to give people the benefit of the doubt here. I think people understand that this is a free hit. I really do. I, I think I think some do, but I, it's it's like everything. There's a, there's a spectrum of opinions, and I, I I don't know. I just think a lot of people will be having. I, I think Patrick's right. I mean, there there is a downside to how fans will will probably overreact either way to whatever Nico does in this game. If he hits, people are going to say Tennessee should be a top ten, top fifteen team going into next season. If if he if he struggles, there are going to be the naysayers who say 
you know, he wasn't worth the NIL money or what, you know, whatever, you know, he was overrated coming out of high school. Oh, now we see why Milton was starting. Joe was bad, but Nico's worse. You know, it's, it would be, it would be that kind of stuff. And I think either way it's going to be overreaction probably. So there's, there's some of that, but I do think Nico gives you some cushion again. I think, I think the fact that you're finally giving fans what they wanted all year, which is to see Nico and people were clamoring for it for weeks, just turn it over to turn the keys over to, to, to Nico and let him, let him get a, get some playing time to get him ready for next year. They're finally getting that. So I think now, even if you lose the game, it's not the end of the world. If you'd lost with Joe Milton though, I think that would have been a tough sell. I really do. So I, I think it's still going to be negative though. If you lose this game, just because people think I was not very good. And that's not fair for a team that wins 10 games uh, during the regular season. But that's, I think that's still how some people look at it. I mean, Peyton Manning's first few games as a freshman at Tennessee weren't the best either. A lot of no. people thought Brendan Stewart should be the guy. So, I mean, <laughs> who, who, I just learn history, like look at history guys. Like we, we don't, we don't know. We, we don't like, and I'm not talking to, to y'all. I'm talking to the people out there listening. Like we, none of us know, really. We don't like, we take guesses, but you know, let's just see what the kids got. I, I don't, he could, if he does, if he does anything other than like, you know, quite literally pee down his leg. I don't really. I'm not going to be bothered by it. It's a. It's a freshman in his first start playing an outstanding defense with yeah. without 20 scholarship teammates. So I mean, eh, eh. That's, and the that's and the offensive thought. line is the part that would worry me the most. I, I I don't think I covered that fully earlier, but I I really think you know you could have a starting lineup with you know Jackson Lampley and Dane Davis like that was fine against Vanderbilt. That's going to be a challenge in this game. You got to run the ball on them with uh, with uh, Dylan Sampson. You got to you got to protect Nico. Get the ball out of his hands quickly. Obviously, that can help, but it's it, it's a test uh, for that offensive line that that's not going to have not going to be at, at full strength. So I, I think that's a real concern along with the receiver play. So Nico, his hands aren't going to be tied, but he's going to be a little bit more limited than you'd like him to be in his first start. And against a defense like this, to your point, Wes, that that doesn't make things any easier. No, it doesn't. But we got a full week uh, to discuss a lot of this stuff, guys. We we got another four or five days or whatever to to go over this thing, and and we'll do it right. I mean, maybe will Tennessee look at like some two tight sets, which it doesn't do very often in a game like this. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that you could do that we could discuss. Who's who's going to play offensive line for Tennessee, right? Like there are so many interesting things about this game and we'll see we got a full week to discuss it though and pat's been up for god knows how long at this point and we'll go ahead and try to to go ahead and get this recorded and get it out to everybody but guys unless you got anything else i think we're in a good spot should be a fun week now and a lot more excitement so uh so patrick enjoy the enjoy the sun the warm weather and we won't hate you too much for it and uh yeah we'll we'll, uh we'll, we'll have plenty to talk about the next several days now Yep, so I got to add. I'm tired. <laughs> that, and that is that is as good a place to I'm out of words. As, I'm out of words and energy for the day. That's perfect. Enjoy we'll, talking to y'all. We'll end it right there. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, but if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that 
at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We are in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.